Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, and as always, I wish you a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever and wherever you join our podcast from today. And never more apt than when I'm talking to a transatlantic guest. And I said transatlantic might be doing it a slight disservice, actually, because we are transatlantic and nearly in the Pacific Ocean. Joining us today all the way from California is the CEO and co-founder of Recess, a company that we're going to be finding out a little bit more about on today's episode. And we welcome Jack Shannon to the Event Industry News Podcast. Jack, a very good morning to you. Thanks for joining us uh, at what is just after 6 a.m. Californian time. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. Nice, nice to uh, join you as well. Yeah, not a problem at all. Um, yeah, always exciting to to talk to, to talk to guests and and companies and event organizers and event people who are over in the US. We um we just wrapped last week. We're recording this on. Thursday, the 17th of June. Um, and we just wrapped last week on Event Tech Live USA and Canada. Um, so it's a great time to be talking to you, Jack. You know, we're, we've got all of your, you know, the, the, the US and Canadian event industry fresh in our minds after last week's um, Event Tech Live event. So yeah, it's great to have you here. And as I said, your company is Recess. Um, before we get into sort of the whys and the wherefores and what you guys are up to at the moment, tell us about Recess and what it's set up to do. Yeah, so Recess is a experiential growth marketing platform helping connect brands and event organizers to facilitate uh, partnership campaigns at scale. So if you think about Google, you can sign up to Google. If you have a website, you can plug in their code and start generating revenue. Uh, any website on the internet can do that. And so we wanted to create a similar platform for any event organizer out there that is looking for additional sponsors, additional partners that they could, you know, sign up, takes four or five minutes, input all the information about their event, who their audience is, what type of partnerships that they're looking for. And then we have hundreds of brands and agencies on the other side of our platform that are putting in their target customer, where they want to search, what types of events, what types of partnerships. And then we marry the two up and facilitate um, and execute those partnerships uh, for both sides. And, and how long has it been in operation? Is this is, is this relatively new? And you know, certainly with these types of website where they're linking two distinct sort of parties together, there can often be quite a long uh, R and D period for them. Um, what's what's the history of Recess so far? Yeah, so we actually started myself and my co-founder started as event organizers ourselves uh, ten years ago. So we started throwing concerts and and uh, music festivals and events in the States uh, during the rise of dance music in the, the 2000s over there. So um, we had a lot of experience doing that ourselves and selling in sponsors into our own programs. Um, and about, I think it was around like mid 2018, we were working with a partner, actually Topshop, that was coming over from the UK and, and looking yeah. to launch uh, in, in, in a big way in the US. And they, you know, the markets that they were distributing their products in, they partnered with Nordstrom. They didn't have locations that aligned with where our tour was going that year. And mm -hmm. so they said, this looks great. You know, we'd love to participate and reach this audience, but geographically, it just doesn't align with where we have distribution. And so rather than letting that revenue go, we reached out to some partners of ours. Um, we primarily were working in the uh, university space. And so we reached out to some partners that we had worked with previously on a past tour, but weren't happened to stop making that stop this year and just facilitated a partnership between them and Topshop. And we did that for 
Kind Bar and Red Bull and for a few other partners that summer. And that was, you know, the initial genesis of the marketplace. We looked at the numbers and said, okay, you know, we have six people that are working full time, selling, you know, producing this event, doing everything that's involved. And then here are these four side deals that we did. And on a gross, you know, dollar per hour worked, it was much more efficient for us as a company to sell into other people's properties and help facilitate those partnerships than, than monetizing our own. And so, you know, we had drawn inspiration from um, companies like IMG Learfield in the collegiate sports space in the US and, and Live Nation and others that had aggregated properties. And so that was, um, you know, the, the, the catalyst for us was looking at all these other ad networks in all these other forms of media, digital, influencer marketplaces, uh, out of home marketplaces that were bringing together both sides and making it easier for both sides to transact and purchase. And we said, why does nothing like this exist in the event space? There's, you know, millions of great events out there. Many of them don't have their own sales team or, or sponsorship team to be able to go out there and really monetize the full value of that property, but they have a great event. And it's just a matter of you know, finding those handful of brands that are looking for that particular event. And so it seemed like a problem that was ripe to solve with a marketplace solution that could, you know, kind of organize a lot of that chaos and, and you know, make it easier for both sides to find each other and transact and, and execute those programs. Hmm. With platforms like this, and uh, I suppose the most obvious parallel that I can think of inst- uh, instantly is venue finding, you know, um, similar platforms that exist for organizers to find venues and for venues to promote themselves to event organizers. Um, I've seen a number of sort of launches and startups of companies trying to do that type of thing who don't have a background in doing that before. So they're starting from scratch. You have this chicken and egg situation where the organizers need the venues, yeah. but there are not many venues on the platform and the venues don't want to be on there until unless there's loads of organizers searching for them. It strikes me that from what you just said, you weren't anywhere like in that position because of your background beforehand, because you came into this seemingly in quite an organic way. You probably had a good platform of contacts to start with. And did you think that that contributed to being able to get recess up and running? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did, we initially, we didn't even, you know, we didn't set out to build a marketplace. We were just trying to make some additional revenue and not let a, let a brand partner go, go away. So that was absolutely, I mean, the chicken or the egg problem, classic, you know, every, every, it's an issue every marketplace has to solve and overcome in some way. And, And there's a number of different ways to do it. And, and yeah, for us, we, we're fortunate enough. We, we, we did, we had this unfair advantage where we not only understood um, kind of what both sides are looking for in the equation. We had been an organizer, we had been, uh, you know, an agency on the other side of it, working on behalf of brands and, and sourcing other opportunities and, and other partners. So we had a really good understanding of, of what both sides were looking for and, and had this unfair advantage of uh, a lot of the universities in the U S we had already worked with them. We had a trusted established relationship. And so when we said, Hey, we're starting this, this platform. It wasn't even a platform at the time. It was, Hey, you know, do you want some additional brands for your events? Sign up to this form at the time. It wasn't even a platform. It was a survey and, you know, tell us this information about your event. When is it? Who's the audience? What's the price that you want to set for these various different sponsorships? And yeah, that was our initial, you know, launch was getting the 50, 60 universities we had really good relationships with over in the States and getting them to sign up and list. And so it, it was definitely, um, you know, an unfair advantage to start, I think. And, and that's, you know, what allowed us to get 
enough scale on the supply side to then be able to go back to to brands and agencies and say, hey, we have, you know, we can solve this problem. It's really painful for you to, if you want to work with 20 campuses, you have to get in touch with 20 different people and figure out who the right person is. And they all do everything a little bit differently. And so um, we recognized pretty early on that there was a lot of value there for brands and their agencies to be able to, you know, go to one place and get all of that. And, you know, what used to take weeks or maybe months of phone calls and emails and back and forth and decks and spreadsheets and all that, yeah. you know, could be solved in minutes to be able to get all that data and information and, and make those decisions. Yeah. Maybe you're not doing yourself justice either by saying unfair advantage, because that's, it, it, you know, other people may say seizing opportunity. You know, you, you had a an opportunity that was presented to you and like the great entrepreneurs, you know, and I suppose Branson at Virgin's the classic one of, you know, somebody asks you if you can do something, say yes, and then figure out how to do it. You know, you, you, you sounds like you're presented with an opportunity. And like you said, rather than lose the revenue, let's find a way of keeping that and let's find a way of, uh, you know, of, of putting them in touch with somebody who can deliver what they need. And um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely seizing opportunity rather than unfair advantage. Some, something I think is important to, to maybe just, just sit on for a second is, is the university sports system uh, over there because, you know, many of our podcast followers will be, you know, European and UK based cause that's where we are. Um, and I suppose it's important to clarify and make sure that they've got a clear understanding of just what a behemoth the collegiate sports system is in the US. You know, we have sports in our universities in the UK and in Europe, but in the US, it's very much equivalent to some of the major professional leagues of of, of soccer over here in terms of the standard, the crowds, the audience figures, both live and through broadcast as well. So there's there's a massive market there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there, you know, there were two major companies that that kind of represented the rights of, 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 you know, the, maybe the 300 biggest universities over here. And so they were, they're the ones that are tasked with with bringing in sponsorships and monetization in those properties. Those two companies have, have now merged um, into one company and, and they represent, you know, a, a sizable portion of the market. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's comparable to you know, professional sports leagues, you know, billion plus uh, reportedly in, in revenue annually. So it's definitely it's definitely a big market, and that that's you know what we heard a lot of the times was brands said, hey, you know, we can pick up the phone and, and call your IMG Learfield and, and work with them and get a partnership across a hundred universities and, and facilitate that. But if we want to go to the music festival, the charity event, the food festival, all these other cultural programmings, you know, in the UK it's freshers week, you know, those types of opportunities where uh, there's tons of, you know, tons of that highly desirable demographic that brands want to reach and kind of capture early on. And so making it, making it easier to in in, with, without having an entity like IMG Learfield overseeing that, um, you know, it it was difficult. And so we said, if you were going to start a company like that today, like a a, a live nation of the college space or an IMG Learfield type partner outside of sports in these other categories, um, you know, you would probably start it like a technology platform. You know, those companies were started much longer ago and have very large sales teams. And that's how they go to market and sell all those sponsorships. And they're very successful in doing it. We didn't have those kind of resources. So we said, let's, you know, let's use technology to organize all of that to make it easier for people to purchase and buy and execute those transactions. So we, we, we had to make do with the resources that we had. 
<laughs> we you, you've do, you've done well in doing that. Um, one thing I wanted to pick up on uh, when when I, I saw that you're on the show today is looking at your website, which is um, recess.is. Um, the first thing I spotted is that is the headline the easiest way to sponsor socially distant events and sampling experiences. I'm just curious it, when you talk about socially distant events. Um, do you mean that in a number of different ways? Is this is the recess platform for both live in-person events and also for these online hybrid virtual events that we're now seeing? Uh, is it applicable to one, the other, or both? Yeah, so it's it's funny. I, I feel like we will likely change that headline on the website now as, as socially distant events are, are um, in some ways, you know, at least that term are going out of vogue for our traditional uh, partners mm. who, who do want an in-person type experience. But yeah, during the during the pandemic, you know, all of our inventory on the marketplace basically went to zero overnight. We went from having um, thousands of events and opportunities on the platform for brands to book and, and execute. And um, like many, you know, all of that was was basically put on pause. And so we did actually go down the road of, of virtual for a, a couple of weeks. We adapted our platform to be able to support virtual events. And um, you know, initially we we just found that the buyers that we have that are traditionally buying these types of events, they weren't traditional, you know, media buyers. They were experiential, it was sponsorship. And so they were yeah. used to the metrics of number of samples distributed or number of people at the event. And, sure. and it flipped overnight to being, you know, millions of views. And so, you know, first some people made that transition. Um, and there were a lot of brands that, you know, did a lot of great sponsorships and programs, but we found it wasn't something where you were seeing brands that were sponsoring hundreds of these events. You know, they were maybe doing one or two initially. And so uh, early on, we actually had a uh, traveling drive-in festival sign up to our platform when we were still, you know, very early on. And I think it was the week after everything shut down and said, oh, that's interesting. You know, maybe, maybe drive-ins will be something that takes off or has a resurgence as it is a way that you can be safe and socially distant at the time and, and spread out and still come to an event. And so we luckily, you know, shifted our focus into these events that were still taking place during the pandemic safely. And so initially it was drive in movies and then that shifted to drive through haunted houses or, or Halloween sure, events. Yeah. It shifted to drive through winter lights events in, in, in the winter where you can, you know, drive your car through and see those types of things. And so, um, and the types of partnerships that we were we were working with for brands shifted as well, because a lot of those event organizers weren't allowing anyone other than their own employees to come out to that event and engage with consumers. And so it shifted from a lot of our brand partners that were used to going out to that event, having their you know, 10 by 10, 10 by 20, their own brand ambassadors and, and being able to do that to yeah. a model where they were focused on product sampling or handing out a coupon or something tangible or leveraging the video wall board in, in order to disseminate their information out there. And so it just shifted the dynamic of, of how they were buying and how they were working with our tool, which ultimately ended up being, you know, a positive because it's opened up this new way that that brands are using our tool to reach consumers and engage that doesn't require them to physically be on site or, or be present there. Um, and so we did see a huge spike as, as, Traditional events were shut down as brands couldn't, uh, you know, give out samples in grocery stores and a lot of the traditional ways that they reach their target consumer. Um, so yeah, it was it was you know 
very much in that you know, unique focus of time that socially distant was was a big thing. It's less relevant now, in, you know, at least in, in, in where we are in the States as things are opening back up and sure, events are yeah, coming back yeah. and kind of returning to normal. But we definitely still see a lot of brand partners that are interested in, in partnering with events in those kind of, you know, ways where they don't have to always physically be on site. And so, you know, we're now supporting both of those options and allowing partners to choose which one is going to make the most sense for them and for their campaign. In terms of then the um, the creativity side of things, when the pandemic struck, and as you quite rightly point out, so many major brands, when they want to engage as a sponsor with something like a live event, they want to be present there. It's not just about having their logo on some branding on a fence somewhere. It's about having their product there and putting that product into people's hands. When that all changed, did you as recess have to get creative as well in advising clients and potential buyers as to how they could actually reinterpret the sponsorship opportunities or was that very much left to them to, to get their creative hats on? Yeah, I think we we work cooperatively with with our partners to help uh, you know provide examples of, of best practices and what people have done in the past and how they've they've kind of used the tools. I think we we think about our platform um, similar to to other ad networks where we're kind of tasked with delivering the audience. Ultimately, you know, you can use our tool to place your your messaging, your card, your swag item, your sample, if, if you want to take advantage of our, our turnkey sampling, or we can put, you know, your brand physically there on site with your agency or, or whoever that is. So they can choose, you know, which way they want to engage. Um, but from a creative standpoint, it, it definitely, yeah, it definitely challenged a lot of brands that they couldn't physically be there. So they had to think about, okay, if I have to distill my message down to, a flyer and a 30 second clip on the, on the video wall or the jumbotron, you know, how, how can I still tell that story and engage consumers or maybe use that as a mechanism to drive them somewhere else that that brand wanted to push to, whether that was a microsite, a giveaway, a landing page, their e-com page. And so I think it was an opportunity for us to kind of challenge brands and say, let's look at experiential as another form of growth marketing, really, for, yeah. you know, ultimately, you know, a lot of the brands that we're working with, it, it is less about doing the, the crazy, never been done before VR activation, you know, where you're spending tons of money or you're creating this immersive experience. There are, you know, lots of great agencies that build those programs. And that is not us. You know, we are, we are much more focused on um, how can we help brands activate at these programs at scale across lots of lots of events, lots of programs and have a big impact. It doesn't mean you can't be creative um, or come up with unique ways to engage audiences and do that. But um, we're really focused on helping brands achieve objectives that are very quantifiable and measurable. So, you know, leads generated, uh, you know, sales driven in, in many instances. And so we're putting, you know, it's why we, we talk about our platform as a, as a growth marketing platform. Um, yeah. So we look yeah. at, you know, ways that companies like Uber, you know, scaled early on giving out tons of, of, you know, they had armies of people that were handing out, you know, the, the discount codes or the get your free ride or, or those types of things. So we think experiential, when done in a way and at a price point that is very efficient can actually be competitive with digital and some of these other channels for a lot of brands from a customer acquisition standpoint. And a few of our customers 
you know, they're using our tool to, to acquire customers at a cheaper rate than some other Facebook advertising. So it's just about, you know, kind of how, you know, price to creative and how you're using that in a way that, you know, again, may not be the craziest never been done before thing, but, um, you know, it, it looks more like programmatic digital advertising uh, in that way where it's, it's much more focused on efficiency uh, than necessarily the, the, you know, the craziest creative you could come up with. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I guess, you know, when you when it bring it back to basics, you know, a lot of the, the live music and, uh, you know, the touring and the festival industry, you know, you think about the obvious sponsors there, they, they, they've huge associations with the food and beverage industry, you know, and, and, and they want nothing more than to get their product into the hands of, of those consumers and into those audiences, you know, whether it's a beer brand or a soft drink band or snacks, whatever it may be, you know, give those samples out. And um, I, I guess in some respects, you don't have to be overly creative and overly wild with your you know with your strategy there when it comes to the those types of products you just want the opportunities to to get in front of people i'm curious to ask if you don't mind about the the, the logistics of the uh the, the 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 link up once an introduction if you can call it that is made via the recess platform so yeah. you have a buyer who finds a great event in a part of the us that they think yep that's perfect that fits our budget that's exactly the sort of audience we're looking for once they've uh implemented that transaction if you will via recess is the actual sort of the the handling and the the uh the delivery of that Mm -hmm. sponsorship then made directly between the two parties is is that when recess then steps away makes that initial introduction and then steps away from the process so we actually you know stay with our customers and help them all the way through execution really until almost until the day that they show up to that event so that was one of the biggest pain points that we heard from brands and, sure. and agencies yeah. when talking was, Hey, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't that complicated. It's, it's, you know, where do you park? What times load in? Who do we call when we get there? What's the COI information? You know, it's a lot of it is, is similar. The problem is every event does it a little bit differently. Somebody sending an Excel, another person sending a PDF, another person has a word doc. So everybody has a little bit of a different format in terms of how they do it. 90, six percent of the information is consistent you know across across events especially if we're talking about more of these transactional type sponsorships vendor spaces you know we're not talking about deep custom title sponsorship integrations which would be very difficult to scale you know using a platform but for yeah yeah you know more of the transactional stuff excuse me we um we actually have built tools for both sides so when 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 a booking is made event organizers are immediately prompted to fill in that information if they haven't already. And then, you know, if they have multiple sponsors that are booking, they're not having to advance multiple times with multiple different parties. They fill that information out once that information makes its way over to the brand partners. And similarly, if, if a brand is, you know, booking a hundred events on a mobile tour, they're not having to have a hundred individual conversations around advancing. It's all, basically in one format, in one place where they can get all that information they need. Um, and then the, the handoff basically happens on the day of. They have all their information, they know where to go, where to show up. And then we are obviously, we can't be at all these events ourselves. So they you know contact the event organizer when they get there and show up and execute the program. So we've yeah. tried to um, you know remove as much of the email back and forth and phone calls and, and streamline as much of that as possible. That's also why, you know, payments and contracting and all that is also run through recess. So 
we're saving you know, the, the brands and agencies anywhere from 80 to 90% of the time they used to. And, and a lot of them, this is their least favorite part of the job, you know, is the is getting tracking Absolutely. down the COI information and all the hey. stuff that you don't really yeah. like to do, you know, that isn't the fun part of it. Um, yeah. So, you know, we tried to make make all of the the stuff that is less fun as easy and streamlined and straightforward as possible. So they have more time to be, you know, out there at events, engaging with customers and and, and less time, you know, on, on the paperwork side of things. In the back uh, and forth. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you're preaching to the converted here, certainly, you know, when it comes to sort of, you know, logistics and, and, and the operation side of things, you know, if you can remove that, email those 30 emails that you've got to send to one person just telling them basically where they can park their truck have they got power you know yep. how many staff can they have there what size is the space what time will they be allowed on site how long have they got to load and unload you know all of the simple like you said 96 percent of the time that information is going to be the same whether they're turning up at a music event a festival a football match it, it, it doesn't matter really. They just want to know those simple, you know, bits. And and it's it's refreshing to hear that actually you'll see that through almost to that that point where they actually arrive on site. Because, like you said, that 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 logistical information and those emails, if you can remove that element of it from an organizer's point of view and from a buyer's point of view, and that's made really really simple, then I think you know that alone is worth its weight. Yeah. And you're never going to get it all. So we do, you know, we have a, a great team of, of folks that really almost work as an extension of both sides of, of you know, on, of the brand and, and the event organizer, because it's events and there's always edge cases and you're not going to solve, you know, everything that comes up. So, um, you know, but we try and, and, and use the software to, to get as much of that through as we can. Absolutely. What are the, what are the plans going forward? Because um, I, I'm, you know, confident in saying that the us is is broadly speaking in the same position as the uk at the moment no we are close to the end of lockdown the end of social distancing restrictions just this week actually that we're recording this we're recording on the 17th and on the 14th the, the uk prime minister boris johnson announced that there would be a four-week delay to the final lifting of restrictions we should have finished restrictions on the 21st of june that's now been been put back to the 19th of july but broadly speaking we are close to sort of being back in that normal environment. And, um, you know, dare I say, you, you will have some audiences who still want to adopt their own social distancing. But in terms of the rules that we have to adhere to, um, they will hopefully be a, a thing of the past. Um, are you therefore sort of seeing more opportunities starting to come through the recess platform as events start to be given some sort of green light to go ahead again as of things sort of really ramped up in recent weeks. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been really exciting to see that kind of traditional event starting to come back the summer music festival or food festival or carnival or those types of events. So yeah, we've been um, on both sides, you, you know, event organizers that are signing up uh, as well as brands and agencies that are, you know, maybe they were, only focused on turnkey sampling previously. And now, you know, they're ramping their teams back up, they're hiring their agency back, they're, you know, getting back out on the road or starting to prepare to, to go back out there and, and, you know, starting to show up to events and, and execute a lot of the, the marketing that they were doing um, pre pandemic. So yeah, it's been, it's been really exciting to see. And I think, you know, for us, we're, we're focused on um, supporting those event organizers and connecting with more of them and, and really, 
um, helping to kickstart the industry and get everybody kind of back back out there. Um, you know, certainly from a sponsorship perspective, we think mm -hmm. there's uh, a lot of opportunity to drive you know additional revenue and help those event organizers that maybe missed out on last year. Um, you know, work with more brands and and generate more revenue and, and get this uh, get this industry you know stood back up and and back on its feet. And I, you know, we're certainly bullish uh, about about the you know for both sides that we've seen from the interest level of of people coming back. And uh, yeah, we couldn't be couldn't be more excited to to help help facilitate more of those partnerships moving forward. Sure. And um, what are the plans going going forward? You know, we're, we're coming towards the end of time on this episode, but um, I always like to ask, you know, companies you know like yours, you know, what are the plans going forward? You know, very yeah. rarely do I hear somebody say, no, we're happy as we are at the moment. Um, what would you like to see in the next 12 months for recess? Yeah, we've got, you know, a, a big North Star of uh, of getting our platform we we kind of measure total reach across all of the opportunity all of the events on our platform we're um you know we're tracking towards 100 million in reach across all of the opportunities on our platform so in, in the next 12 months that's a big goal for the team to to get north of, of 100 million and, and that's across a variety of different categories everything from farmers markets to ski mountains to music festivals to all different types of of opportunities. And, um, you know, from there, you know, we're coming to, to your side of, of, uh, of, of the pond as, as they say, I think, and, uh, you know, international expansion and looking at other markets and other places where we can, um, grow and, and help support similar ecosystems to what we found, uh, successful here in the States. Sure. And, and we go back to that chicken and egg situation. You know, it, the, 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 the need and the pain points are the same in the events industry throughout the world, not just in the US. You know, events want sponsors and sponsors need to find the events that work for them and the demographics that work for them. So once you have both of those parties using the platform, then, you know, there's no reason why it uh, it, it, it can't go, uh, you know, international and come over to this side of the pond, as you say. Um, no, we look forward to it, Jack. Um, and, and, and hopefully um, we'll see you over here at some point in person, you know, um, it's great to be able to speak to people down these um, down these video links and through things like StreamYard that we use for the podcast. But, um, you know, on a personal level, I I'm very much looking forward to the latter part of this year and starting to see people in person again and see these people, you know, in the flesh rather than through a video link. Um, it's been great to chat to you today. Thanks very much for, for coming onto the podcast. Um, as we've said, if you want to find out more about uh, recess and what Jack and his team are up to recess.is is the website to go to Jack. I'm sure they can find you on, on the social media platforms as well. Yeah. I'm just my name at, at Jack Shannon on, uh, on Twitter. Fantastic. Um, and of course, if you want to find us on uh, social media at event news blog is our Twitter handle. And of course, uh, event industry news.com is the website to go to for all your latest news updates and supplements on what's going on in all of the vertical strands of the events industry. And of course, if you are watching the video of today's podcast on event industry news.com, don't forget that you can also go to your favorite podcast platform on your mobile device and listen to audio versions of all of our previous 240 something 
episodes of the podcast. Of course, if you are listening to us today, I should always give the reverse plug, which is to go to eventindustrynews.com and check out the videos of the podcast and all the latest news, features and supplements, as I've said. And it brings us to the end of today's episode. Our thanks again to CEO and co-founder of Recess, Jack Shannon, for joining us at a very early hour, an ungodly hour from California today. Jack, it's been great to have you on the show. We're going to wrap things up there and we'll see you all on the next issue of the Event Industry News podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.